Welcome back. Sons of the Beach. It's Matt Gossip. Alejandro Ramos. And Francisco Valladares. We're upset. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a three-week hiatus for us. And we went on vacation, but our vacation was to nowhere. And we just couldn't work together. It was kind of sad. It was a bad, it was the worst vacation possible you could have. More like, a, what's it called? Like an, an embargo. <laughs> the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> we embargoed our, our our podcast. Let's just put it this way: we couldn't get in the booth. We had really weird work schedules. I had I got another internship. Yay! That sounds nice in principle, but it, it screwed up things for me. And then I wanted to take up a position at the newspaper, magazine, what have you. Alex has work. Fran has work. You know the deal. And right now, we literally spent an hour recording the podcast to make to we like realized that our mics were off me and friends mics were off so we're off to an auspicious start or inauspicious start we're off to a bad start we're off this to a bad start bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This but an we're gonna rebound and we are rebounding and rebranding because usually <laughs> that was good. usually we oh yeah rebound sports um <laughs> usually we just talk oh sorry Usually we just talk about sports, but now we're going to kind of switch it up and keep it more lighthearted. We have found out that getting subjects and going through everything so meticulously has been less exciting and entertaining and worthwhile for us to keep doing podcasts. So we're just going to have a good time. Everything's going to be open. We'll tell you what we're going to talk about at the beginning of each episode, but it's not strictly going to be sports. So with that, we're going to lay out some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. First, we got to talk about a big phenomenon, um, just this big thing that happened recently this past week to all three of us. It changed us a little bit. <laughs> and I mean, specifically the release of Black Panther. We Wakanda! Of, That's it. We have, a, <laughs> we have a lot of stuff we would like to discuss about that movie. And tying the Oakland themes into that, we're going to be discussing the Warriors and why our boy Alex is not standing the Warriors. It's hard anymore. Maybe never again, ever. <laughs> never. I'm done with the Warriors. I'm a Lakers boy now. Oh. <laughs> Lakers boy. Oh, is this what we're really getting in free agency 2018? We're, we're getting, getting we're getting Alex. <laughs> I'm signing with the Lakers fandom. We're, we're signing you on a three year minimum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a vet minimum. Oh no! I hope it's not like a dang Mozgov deal. Uh, nah. Damn. Yeah. So we're gonna be talking about. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about. Oakland being Oaklandish, being ridiculous. Then we're going to be talking about NBC's Olympics because the Winter Olympics as a whole are pretty cool. Uh, NBC's coverage has not been cool. Anything but icy or cool for Winter Olympics, which is dumb. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to talk about basketball, but we're just going to talk about LeBron dunking on Laura Ingram. Or, not to be confused with Brandon Ingram's relatives, Laura Ingram. We're talking about actual Laura Ingram from Fox News getting dunked on, and we're just going to keep on hammering home that whole stick-to-sports bullcrap that we always like to attack and make <laughs> fun of anyone who says that cheese. So, yeah, we're going to have a good episode this time, so just stick around after a little break. Bam.
Hey, everyone. Welcome back. And, yeah, we're going to be discussing our first little hangout topic. We're just trying to keep it cool. Enjoying each other's uh, enjoy each other's company. Did you <laughs> enjoy cut? Anyways, oh no, we're just gonna have a nice chat. Our, all of our best conversations have just been casual chats, not so much like here's a topic. Everyone research. Let's just have a good time with this one. And with that, speaking of having a good time, all three of us saw Black Panther this past Friday as a group. Uh, me and Fran saw it twice. We couldn't hold it in. No, I didn't we had watch it, it twice. We, 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 I watched it three times. What? I watched it three days in a row, yeah. Wait, you Thursday, saw it Thursday, on... Friday, and Saturday. And you saw it on Saturday? Yeah. Oh, man. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Couldn't I, hold it in and then had to keep going, huh? Yeah, I had to put money into it. It's like your honeymoon with Black Panther. You Honestly? Just, yeah. <laughs> three straight days of Black Panther. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so what we really want to touch upon is how great we all liked it and... How much we really enjoyed it. Just the, it was a breath of fresh air. And yeah. we want to give you a spoiler free review from each of us. Uh, I'll let Alex go first. Just, we have a lot of good opinions on it. All right. You know, Our opinion is truth, by the way. It's, it's fact. <laughs> yeah. What we say goes. Goes. No, okay. My one word review would be it's a phenomenon. I don't have a word, but I have a couple words, and it's best Marvel movie ever. Oh. Yep. And mine was just, it was a celebration, you know. There we go. I j- it's just it was just so nice to just see everyone so cheery and wanting to be with each other and having that rush of not even because it's not so much like other midnight movies like Star Wars where everyone's like he, there's like a established fandom, you know. Like people weren't there because they necessarily cared about. The comics, yeah, yeah there, were, there wasn't people that read it, it black com- like Black Panther. A lot. It's not like other movies by certain directors or featuring certain actors. Like you care about the work, the work that goes in behind it. Like people were there to like revel in the world of Black Panther to enjoy seeing Wakanda on the screen and seeing like this beautiful, beautiful fictional country with such a beautiful, rich culture that they really did a good job of like bringing to life. It just showed mm-hmm. up great. I believed it. If you told me that that place existed and it was like that and you showed me that, I'd be like, yeah, it's a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know there's sci-fi elements, of course, and fantasy elements because it's comic books, but it felt very, it felt really real. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird to say from Marvel. I think it was just because the director, Ryan Coogler, did a great job at making it seem feasible. Because yeah. he implemented, I mean, without getting too into the plot, he implemented a lot of stuff that's happening in the real world and likening the real world kind of outside of Marvel, outside of all those things, to what is happening. Like, just, it was interesting. Like, he really talked about Oakland, because he is from Oakland, right? But it wasn't just, like, supposed to be, like, a vanity thing. Like, there's some so many things that... I think I've never seen before in a Marvel movie because mm-hmm. Marvel movies are just usually just kind of just crazy spectacles for the most part. But I mean, now, like Alex said before, a lot of them are having their own pulse. Like Ant-Man isn't just a superhero movie. Yeah. It's a heist movie. Um, Avengers is its own crazy spectacle. Yeah. But then Thor is its own thing now too. It's more of like a comedy. And then, we have Black Panther, which is, 
I almost see it's like almost it's it's so it feels very, it felt very historical like history really mattered in this movie. It almost felt like it was historical fiction. It was very very nice. Like there's a subgenre to the subgenre of superhero movies. I think on top of that, the the dynamic between characters is actually a lot nicer than usual. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just here's a bad guy, hate him, and here's a good guy, love him. It was like there was moments where you're like T'Challa's kind of an idiot, like straight up. And then there's moments where you're like, oh, Killmonger might actually have a point here. Mm-hmm. And I just like that dynamic of like having to question. They were whether very I, complex. Yeah, it's some, it's, it makes it a lot more interesting. And then mixing in like what you were talking about, the, the dynamic between being a Marvel movie and being involved in the real world. It just adds another layer that makes it a lot more interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I think I was just really because I said it's a celebration, of course. And like not all these things we're talking about are really celebratory I would like to think, like how Alex said about Wakanda, it felt like a real country. Mm-hmm. And they did such a great job at researching it. I ended up looking it into how all the costume design was, all like the cultural practices they did, like the ceremonies and whatnot. And it likens itself to a lot of stuff that's happening. Um, a lot of other cultures, like a lot of the dress was derived of different African nations, which was really, really cool. And it wasn't just like, let's just highlight these really advanced nations you know let's like include everyone it was like a technological marvel like a utopia like wakanda can exist without compromising culture because hmm. i feel like that's how a lot of stuff happens in america like everything's westernized you have to lose a sense of yourself you have to assimilate a bit and not show the sides of your heritage to kind of make it but it's not that's not the case in wakanda if anything everyone was thriving and celebrating the different parts of heritage especially because they're different tribes and it was just cool that was dope but um i think another thing that (laughs) i wanted to bring up was like i guess kind of the issue like they're kind of selling us this feels so like i already did this you want to be a hater you want (laughs) to be a cynic I hated Black Panther. It was the worst movie I ever liked. Nah, okay. I just did it because my friends liked it. No, <laughs> no but you you want to talk about how you feel like it's commodifying? Yeah. like A, a little g- bit of uh, culture? Yeah, there's just something weird about getting sold back your your culture, mm-hmm. when especially when for all these years they um, they just didn't represent people of color. And now out of nowhere they're like, hey, we're going to give you this character, but you also have to give us a lot of money in mm-hmm. return. Because like, especially for Coco... I appreciated the movie. I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. But it's like, (laughs) come on, man. Like, you're making a lot of money out of this. So I feel like really bad. I think. Like, after the fact. One of the things that I saw on Twitter discourse, not the best discourse to go based off of, but uh, one of the things that I saw was like people were saying, like, some people were against Black Panther because they want to see more black owned, black created black directed movies yeah with black heroes so that's sort of what they're asking for and like i get it i get why they're going for that um but i think i don't know this is like that uncomfortable first step yeah i think kind of in order for us like for them to have given ryan coogler a black man the reins to like direct that's a big deal and they also gave him like the biggest budget they gave him 200 million Mm -hmm. just to get it right so that's like the first step. Like we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get more black movies with black casts, with black production companies. We're gonna get Latinx movies with Latinx casts and Latinx uh, production companies, yeah. and eventually Asian movies with Asian casts and Asian. Oh, that's production. Novel idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just 
you know See, we're like, gonna we're gonna get there but this is like i want to be an idealist and be like yeah we can just do it mm -hmm. right away but yeah. it's unfortunately historically our peoples don't have the kind of money or leverage to make it happen mm -hmm. so we got to put ourselves in those positions like imagine we need a couple more jay-z's we need a couple more can't think of any rich <laughs> latinx people but you know we need a couple more of those people that are starting their own production companies they're hiring you know people of color to work on their projects i mean that's what we need more of we need more of the people that have actually made it to start giving back yeah. i'm yeah i'm just excited that the thing too that i like about coco and black panther that they haven't really done with an asian movie yet is that coco and black panther like anybody can like it was the it's universal like a lot of people regardless of race like black panther and of course now that they have watched a movie that was very much rooted in like understanding african culture and just all these backstories as well as well as coco too like learning about how um latin american countries kind of view like afterlife and family that's like there's universal principles and values that we could all get on i feel that sometimes movies made by mexican people with mexican or not even that sorry Movies with Latino-American actors and Latino-American direction. It's all like it's Latino-American themes that are really, really not to say it's bad that they're not accessible. But, you know, it's like it's a movie made for Latin-American yeah. people. And yeah. I feel like as far as Asian movies go, it always seems like this is a movie made for Asian people. Mm -hmm. um, East Asian specifically, I suppose. Um, and like the Black Panther, if you love superheroes, you get to watch Black Panther. If you love good music and you like just emotional movies that are really nice and uplifting, you're gonna watch Coco. Um, I'm just happy that those are for everyone now. I mean, the box office, the box office already kind of shows that it's for everyone. Yeah. The foreign market for Coco is huge. Same here with Black Panther, and even that when you if you just start to even look at the numbers. Not every ticket or even majority of the tickets that were sold for the box office are going to come from the people of from the culture that the movie's representing. Like Black Panther had a huge opening weekend, not just because a lot of black people saw it, because a ton did, but a lot of people in general saw it because they heard the hype and they and it's like a nice little like people are recognizing something this big. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I'm actually kind of scared of commodifying too because there's going to be. Um, an Asian American, a movie about Asian Americans called Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> we'll see how that goes Honestly, for us. I'm just worried about oversaturation. For the most, like mm -hmm. that's kind of the main thing. For They're me. gonna like make more movies like, just they like just, this. I they mean, just do it I mean, to I appease mean, people of color. And the market, like, the market's whatever. saturated with white movies. Exactly. I don't know how you how you guys are worried about oversaturating it with POC movies. Yeah. Like I'd be down with that to be honest. Yeah. Honestly, I'm down. But it's like oh, like I bad just, like bad movies too. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like they're gonna like, be oh, so oversaturated, they get bad. I mean, I don't really care if we have bad movies, though, because it's sort of like... There's a lot of bad white people movies. There's a lot of... <laughs> Yo, okay, so here... <laughs> you have a point. <laughs> yeah, I can't look, deny that. Look, if white people can have good and bad movies, then POC should have the luxury okay. of having good and bad movies. Right, it's I not It's that. not to say, like, we got to appreciate the bad movies or we got to like the bad movies, yeah. but it's just more to... To be able to have so many movies out that there's even bad movies, mm -hmm. like that would be an accomplishment All right. in and of itself. Like I can't I wait that. to watch like the Asian Fifty Shades of Grey. Like <laughs> oh, not even like a spinoff, no. but like something in the comparable. Like imagine like watching 
um, like a Mexican Twilight. Like we can have bad no. movies too. Like I like, like how indulgent. you went to the two franchises that are one is literally inspired by the other. That's fine. These are both <laughs> trash content. And they're, they're both really, really white. Yeah, that's hilarious. Just imagine that, dude. Oh God. Like um, what's that's another bad it. franchise? Give me a Mexican. Uh, what is that movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg? Or not Mark oh, Wahlberg. Transformers? Give me a Mexican Transformers. Oh, man, that'd be great. <laughs> nah. Give me um, Asian Smurfs, you know? <laughs> what the All hell? the Smurfs are, like, voiced by Asian actors. That'd be fucking great. <laughs> I'm done. I'm Just done. bad franchises. <laughs> what else is a bad franchise? Uh, a bad franchise? This podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even a franchise yet. <laughs> not yet. We're an indie movie. We're like the. Sh- we're not even Shape of Water either. We're like a bad indie movie, or like a good indie movie, but not great. We're the room. Yeah. Oh, give <laughs> me a Mexican room, dude. That'd be great. We can have like historically bad movies with people of color, like yeah. prominently featured. <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right. Give so. me Asian trolls too. Oh no! <laughs> I would love to see all these awful movies if they have Asian people in them. That's funny. Um, so as much as we alluded to the realism and we kind of digressed as far as our, our, the fantasies of having a saturated market with more people of color, we do want to harken back to what we talked about with Oakland here. There's a tangent here for our boy, our resident Oak, Oakland son, our bay, our bay boy. Our bay boy. Um, our bay boy, our bay elitist, Ali Rojandro Ramos. You want to take it away on this <laughs> Warriors cheese here? Oh no, I gotta hate on the Warriors for a little bit. It's Do okay. It hurts. Your this, pedestal this is, is so like, high. This is like when parents gotta like <laughs> tell their kids they're disappointed in them for the first time ah. and like just hurt their child because they really did something bad. Yeah. But I really gotta turn on the Warriors for this one, or not the team. The team's doing fine. So here's the premise. You know the team as of late, has been really outspoken politically, socially, which is something I never expected from this team, especially with someone like Steph. Steph's usually, you know, a pretty PR-friendly guy. He's not going to step out of his lane to, like, make a point, but he's done a good job of, like, whenever there's a chance, he speaks up. And so the team has been doing great on that front, and they're really, you know, stepping up for these issues. But then where it's sort of falling flat is... On the back end, with like the front office and management, because recently this week, they have apparently taken the city of Oakland to arbitration over $40 million that they owe for the arena. Now, this goes back to refurbishments that they made in like the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that $40 million is what they would owe when they move, but they don't want to pay it. They just want to be like, nah, we're done. We, we're not paying the rest of this. And... I don't know, it's like I get it, you know, business, whatever, but still, this is just a bad look. Like, I can't even defend it. I can't even say, like, do what you want, free market. This is just a bad look. Like, the city stood behind this team for so many years, and yeah, Joe Lacob just bought the team in 2010, whatever, but... That's a, it's a city that supported you through the worst. Like... You guys were bad like, for if a they, long time. If they hadn't won the if they hadn't won the chip in 2015 or in 2017, you know what? Those fans would still be there. Yeah, and that's what's BS because it's like now you're just giving the whole city of Oakland a big fu before you leave to San Francisco. And the, ah, see, that's so bad because I don't know. Like, 
Like, yeah, I don't it's know, not man. Like, it's not like the Supersonics moving from Seattle to Oklahoma. Like, yeah. that's a whole move. But this is, like, a super slap in the face because it's from Oakland to San they're Francisco. Gonna, they're still going to go watch you. You're literally across the water. Yeah. Like, the disrespect. Like, you're not moving across the the country. You're moving right there. Ah, that's just, so bad. That's so bad. But the thing about the Warriors is now they're just really, like, as a whole, they're just really committing to this... this uh, like evil team image that they've been trying to put out recently. Uh, like, yeah, we are the bad now. guys. They're like, gonna be they're gonna be hated. Oh, and the worst part, like you know, not just from a fan perspective, but like from a city perspective, mm-hmm. the fact that the city's struggling to help all the homeless people, all the people that are struggling in, you know, within their city uh, limits, and they're str- the, the struggle is because they don't have enough money, mm-hmm. and if the Warriors don't pay that money back, it's just gonna hurt the city even more. Yeah. And they're going to be saddled with even more debt that's going to have to get cut from public services. So that means less money going towards homeless people that need services. For me as a fan, it's like, whatever, I'm hurting. You know, I grew up on the in the suburbs of Oakland, so it doesn't really hurt me as much. But for the people that live there, that work in the arena, that work in the city, for them to be saddled with this debt because Joe Schmo from Silicon Valley doesn't want to pay. <laughs> oh. You know, that's just, it's disrespectful. That's so wild. I'm sure he doesn't give off. Yeah. He doesn't care because he's got money out the ass. He just wants to watch good sports. He doesn't understand the cultural he doesn't, impacts. You know, I, I don't even think that's he so cares wild. about sports oh, that he much. he just wants to be seen there. He thinks, he thinks he's so smart and that he's just, you know, the sun shines out of his ass. And it's just, get out of here, dude. Like... <laughs> Warriors, Get out of here, but pay your debt first. The, <laughs> the Warriors have made it progressively more difficult not to like them from, like, a couple years ago when they were on the come up. Like, just as a whole, as a whole. Because it was like, man, they have this cool GM. Look at him. He's making all these cool moves, and he's a he's good guy. He's smart, and he's and picking have, up second rounders. Yeah, and here's this cool owners, the two owners, right? Yeah. yeah it's like, here's these two Coach cool owners Goober. that were just like, yeah, we're going to bring a champion to championship to the city and then you know they made this cool roster you guys have just progressively been like yeah we're gonna be the bad guys now like starting with the players and then all the way through and now everyone at the top is trying to screw over the city too i just feel i feel bad for the fans more than anything it's like man you guys are just getting screwed over all the way through i have such a strong strong connection to oakland now after watching Black Panther. Okay. I got nothing but respect. <laughs> oh my god! Oakland forever. No, he's an Oakland son. I know. I'm serious. I've, I I I I don't like how media like influences me that much sometimes. But I was like, damn, Oakland's been through some crap, bro. You know what? You know what? And it always gets like pooped on because San Francisco's right there. You that's know? that's the thing for me. Like, I always always you know I love both cities. Both cities have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I love going into San Francisco to go visit, spend you know fun days with family and you know people from Oakland love going there too but I think for me I just I feel more connected to Oakland because it has a little bit more blue collar roots and I just like I just really want to see that city do better Mm -hmm. I just really want to see that city like come out of the slump that it's been in because it's constantly in the shadow of San Francisco and because it's had so many tech bros move in and drive up the prices of rent it's just it's a city that's been through a lot but it doesn't deserve to have gone through that much Mm -hmm. and the only people that are being hurt are the people that you know they really don't have the resources to help themselves Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i I know this sounds kind of lame too but since even as like an oakland raider fan i used to just be like i'll get the heck out of oakland but i mean it's such an important part to having like 
just teams there. Like now that two teams have left, and arguably the two most marketable sports right now is just kind of sad. Yeah, because because they provide they, so yeah much they for provided the they, so much. They bring up the morale. They provide jobs. Now with both the teams gone, both both those arenas are just gonna sit there. Oh, Oakland Coliseum is a whole Oracle you, Arena. You know how hard just, it is to like how hard it's going to be to try to get teams in anyways. Like now that these teams are leaving, it's gonna make it even more difficult to like maybe later in the future get another team to come in. Yeah. And take those. I don't I mean I don't see another team coming in for exactly. a long, long time. Oh, I got nothing but respect for Oakland, man. Dang. We're gonna have to catch hands with the Warriors. If we catch them in the streets, we're gonna get them. I'm coming after not the players though. You just gotta go to Wanna Creek. You just gotta go to Wanna Creek. You'll run into uh Clay Thompson, maybe Draymond Green. Nah man. We're they go take- there, they go there because they got the cheesecake factory. Oh, for reals? Why you gotta up. fight with them at the cheesecake, dude. Cerritos got a cheesecake factory recently. You know, you they love to go there. The dude. people are out. People are out, and I'm just like, wow. It's a place for That's families that drive Camrys and go to Disney, man. They don't need to know all of our business. <laughs> Wild and you super childish. You go to CVS for Cotex for my God. God. Another thing. Speaking of childish, I don't really like how childish Gambino. He said, what the hell am I supposed to do in Oakland? There's a ton of things to do in he Oakland. He said that? Child- yeah, no. Yo, I'm going. Oh, I didn't and tell you. Oakland, Oakland. Oh, yeah, he's going to go see, uh, go see Brockhampton. Brockhampton? No. Yeah, I'm staying in Oakland. You, where are they playing at? They're Fox? playing at the, um, the Warfield in San Francisco. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, but I'm okay, staying in Oakland. Okay. He's going to go respect the roots, the Oaklandish roots. Yeah. Of our I'm going to walk through Oracle and spit on it for Who you. Who you going <laughs> with? <laughs> I'm going with my homies. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Have fun. Oakland right. stand up. Oakland got Oakland. I mean, out of the Bay Area. Oakland forever. Oakland got some good tacos. Yee, is what I've been told. That's what's up. All right, I'm gonna be chilling over there. Then. I got another, next time I go up to SF, I'm gonna stay in Oakland and just only frequent. I'm gonna go do the cookie cutter San Francisco poop, but I'm gonna stay in Oakland. Let's go. Airbnb Oakland. Let's go. Only support, eat in Oakland. Support Oakland. I would just drop five hundred dollars on the floor. No, it somewhere. was actually really hard to get an Airbnb in Oakland. I was having trouble. So that's I, why no, I, I got to know. I just got to know who the owner is. If it's like a tech person, no. If it's like any kind of just like bougie. No, if it's a tech person, you, you stay there and you just like. Just like poop all over it. Yes. It's, no, they're going to take Not away literally. your security deposit. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. It's I wanna, worth it. Yeah, I want to stay at like somewhere where it's like, I've raised, I've been born and raised in Oakland. I love it here. I want everyone else to love if it If they too. talk like that, then you probably shouldn't be staying with them. Yeah. In probably. Oakland. Oh, okay, my bad. Whoa, whoa. It should just be regular. I, I love, I, yo, man, I've been raised in Oakland. Okay, and sure. I love it here. <laughs> I love Oakland. I've been raised here. I just made my voice deeper. I didn't like. I know. I didn't, I I didn't like, like delve into like <laughs> into like a stereotypical. What does an Oakland accent even sound like? Hey, I'm nah, walking I mean, in. You know what I mean? Was I'm that, walking was that, in. What's that tweet of the Killmonger one with the fish from SpongeBob? You haven't seen that one? No, I haven't. Oh, seen Oh, that, that one. one's funny. Is it true that everybody walks around just says "hella" all the time. Like no, every every other no. word is just "hella." No, why is everybody <laughs> acting like like? <laughs> It's just like when you <laughs> people have these weird ass <laughs> like when people, misconceptions people about, ask about LA. They're like, do they just walk around? Every other word's foo. Yeah, probably. It is. It is like that. <laughs> you just walk around with hot Cheetos. Honestly, uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Did Killmonger walk into the throne room? He goes, "You're, you're." <laughs> <laughs> is that an Oakland thing? That's not an Oakland thing. I don't know what what that's from. I heard that before. I've heard your being used before. So that's Oakland. Though. What's the Oakland? What's the Oakland? Uh... An Oakland thing is, hey guys, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler got a real good. 
Well, what do you even sound like? Oakland. Uh, you don't accent. have an Oakland. Ad- Did you get rid of yours or something? I've never. No, because I didn't grow up like in the city of Oakland. I grew up in the suburbs, so I never had the accent. But I can. Ryan Coogler sounds real, real Oakland to Oakland. me. It's kind of like a draw. Play it. All right. So before we go on to our little break, I'm gonna play some Ryan Coogler. Oh, that's a great scene. Oh, wow, that's a great scene. So this is a fight scene. He's breaking it down for Vanny, sir. takes place in the second act of the film. T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman. Nakia, played by Lupita Nyong'o. And Okoye, played by the... Wow. Duh. Michael B. Jordan really did do a good job. Hey, like the Oakland sound. Shade up sounds like for me from Oakland. Just the way of talking. It's like, it was familiar. Wow, I feel like I'm... Oh my gosh, I'm getting stabbed right now. <laughs> That's not the show. That's not the scene. It's me actually getting stabbed. Nah, uh, nah. Uh. <laughs> Dude, he right. straight up is not even trying to pretend like he's not from Oakland. Like, he is so proud. I love Dope. that. Yeah, like, he... You just listen to him and it's, his accent is just so prominent. You know, Wait, you, so this got back to Black Panther. You know what? <laughs> We've come full circle. I don't know if Mahershala has it still. No, he's been. Oh. No, but he's also from Oakland. Nice, well, Oakland boys. You guys are out doing there. big. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're gonna go on a break, and then we're gonna come back, talk a little bit about sports. We're gonna run through NBC Olympics crap coverage. Then we gonna talk about LeBron dunking over Lauren Ingram, and then we're gonna get a little bit of our two cents on the Mavs, which end up is gonna end up just being like, there's nothing. There's nothing that you could say good about the Mavs. Um, Mark Cuban's all. Yeah, there's really yeah. no discussion there. You know it's what? Just... Poop on everyone. This is a Let's whole go. mean episode. Okay. So, yeah. Take a quick break. See you in a little bit after this message. Hello, everyone. I'm just here to let you know that 22 West Media has launched their new website. We did it. We finally did it. 22westmedia.com. That's right. 22westmedia.com. That's where you can find us. In there, you could find radio shows, magazine stories, whether it be on our online issues or whatever got printed on the magazine. So go ahead and uh, click around, you know, and uh, give us some clout. Please. Everyone, welcome back. Boys, about to ball out one more time. Get to talk about. Are we talking sports. about sports now? Oh, is oops. this a sports podcast? What? I forgot. We keep oh on rebranding God. and keep on saying we're changing. We're very fluid here. This is no longer Sons of the Beach. This is now Sports on the Beach. This is just balls, sports on the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anyways, so let's let's get back to what we were talking about. Not so much um, Black Panther related. Let's get to talking about Olympics. Everyone's been watching the Olympics. Even though the U.S. is still succeeding, everything is hunky-dory. There's been a lot of great little narratives that have come out from it. Like, look at all the teenagers doing well. And 
hey, look at we're winning medals in bobsled and luge and just luge. stuff we're not historically winning at, which is cool. One other narrative that's been coming up has actually been about the coverage itself, particularly NBC Olympics primetime coverage. And I want to talk to you two. I don't know how much opinions you have of this, but from someone who's been listening to it quite often, just how annoying NBC has been with their coverage of Asian American athletes and Asian countries and cultures in general. Would you say it's bad or lazy? It's, Which one? Oh, it's, I mean, at that point, if you're going to go to an Asian country and you're going to just be, you know, just not know what you're doing, mm. especially there's a lot of Asian American athletes, you know, you think you'd have a better idea and understanding. So I just want to preface it too by just saying um, what, when it kind of started. So during the opening ceremony, analyst uh, Joshua Cooper Ramo made a comment to Mike Tariqa and Katie Couric, who were not really doing a great job themselves. So Ramos said that Japan is a country which was occupied from Korea from 1910 to 1945. But every Korean will tell you that Japan is a cultural, technological, and economic example that has been so important to their own transformation, <laughs> which is really disrespectful because straight up was not just not the case. It's just an assumption, especially from someone who's not Asian. There's just mm -hmm. like an it's a bad start. It's a bad start to the what be, would become like bad Olympics coverage. Yeah. Um. A lot of the commentators have been calling it Pyeongchang. It's Pyeongchang. Mm -hmm. Just that's the name of the city it's in. You should know that. You know, research, perhaps. And they're just doing a particularly bad job. Do you feel like it's just because of the commentators that they have, or is it because do they just not have the right people doing it? I don't think it's just. Because it's Matt Lauer and Bob Costas aren't there, which I don't think is like I think that's like a cop out. Because those are the, the usual have, suspects wait, there. But don't they have writers? They have writers. Yes. They have whole teams. Someone that who's work like on researching, scripting this stuff. A talent does have a hand on it, mm -hmm. but usually you'll have teams of writers that are doing research so that you have talking points. So even if it's not a strict script, they still have these notes so that they can go off of. So somebody along the line, came up with the idea that this is good to say. Somebody reviewed it and still gave it an okay, and then that guy said it. So it's just a failure along the line to recognize that this was a problematic thing to say mm -hmm. from the, the, the beginning yeah. to the end. Like, it could have stopped with the guy and him being like, nah, I'm not going to say that. But he just kind of said it. Because that's how yeah. you know they just don't know. And that's why you have to have people in there that know. Yep. But yep. That, that's what happens when you don't. You know, hire yeah. the right people. June Lee brings this up too. We're starting to get generalized and morph together. Like Asian culture oh, is okay. one thing. Uh, yeah. I think in one of the casts, they said one of the athletes is, likes anime and K-pop. And they said they're falling in love with Asian cultures. It's just like, those are just things that aren't really, yeah, it's Asian pop culture. It has nothing to do with. It doesn't is, represent. It doesn't represent our whole. country. Yeah. That's um, like a tiny, pop culture is such a tiny aspect of actual culture. Though. Like anime and K-pop, I mean, look at, do you really think you're respecting Asian cultures by consuming that kind of media? Because mm -hmm. it's very apparent that a lot of the people that are c covering the Olympics with NBC aren't really looking into the history and mm -hmm. past. Like they're making just a lot of assumptions. I think it's just more annoying that there's no Asian voices mm -hmm. talking about these things in particular. It, yeah. just, it just shows the lack of representation in media in the newsrooms and even if it's just because the model i always have to bring up this is like another thing i have to bring up model minority and how just because we have the silver spoon or uh, discriminate against us in a particular way as non-asian poc 
It's right. still a no, very, very just disheartening that it's almost like they know they can make fun of us or give us a lackadaisical like observation and that we'd be cool with it because yeah. we already have experienced more tangible success. Like yeah, we have of, medals and money and blah. Like, yeah, yeah, but even then, like they treat you like the model minority and they treat you like the perpetual foreigner is what they. Oh, the, the trope. perpetual foreigner thing. The perpetual so foreigner. We can't be you American. Could, you could be like third, fourth, fifth generation. Somebody still be like. Where are you from? Dog, I grew up in. Oh, but well, like, where's your family from? Yeah, we. My mom you guys was born in from? Montebello. <laughs> <laughs> like Asians have been here for a long time. Yeah, I'm third generation. And there's, <laughs> like, there's still like this idea that you probably just got here because of the way you look. I'm happy that the Asian American athletes are really sticking it to people, though. Especially because we don't just do figure skating. There's a mm-hmm. lot of figure skating. Now we have ice dancers, mm-hmm. which requires a different kind of skill set. Chloe Kim snowboarding. Half Asians that are want, doing stuff. I actually wanted to talk about Chloe Kim. Oh, yeah. No, the one thing I wanted to say, because Alexis brought this up, she's an incredible snowboarder. It's mm-hmm. the reason she won her gold medal. Mm-hmm. But the entire coverage of her seems to like focus solely on the fact that she tweeted before her run. Yeah. She like, was the one. She was the snowboarder who tweeted. She's the, the snowboarder who tweeted. Mm-hmm. She's not Chloe Kim, the snowboarder that won gold medal at seventeen. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, or I don't know if you think that that's a reach. For me, it's just like I would have preferred to see more commentary of her performance yeah. rather than just her tweeting is ridiculous and it's fun. But talk to me about her actual run. T- tell me how she did. Yeah, social. I, I mean, that. the social media has made it probably worse. I think it's okay that she's, like, people are talking about her tweeting about eating because, like, she is a teenager. I think that's kind of thing that people are getting right, hung up on. Right. I just want to learn more about her as a person and her family. Like, did yeah. a terrible job at it. Commercials like, Chloe Kim's dad is very dedicated to doing this. And then it's almost like saying, wait a second, why wouldn't he be dedicated to her <laughs> daughter doing what she wants to do instead of making there, her There you go study. again, like, model minority. That, what was it like? He drove her five hours every weekend. That's cool. To, like, if you really so like, she wanted to snowboard, and it's just it puts. Why wouldn't he do that? It puts her family. <laughs> it puts her dad on like a pedestal. And like, see, he's a good dad. Yeah. I mean, he just if you're a good dad, you do whatever your kid really wanted to do, and you invest in it, and you. But wouldn't. then it's it's also like maybe other dads don't have the luxury of doing that, that too. To their kids, and it's, does that make those dads bad dads? Yeah, that's true. You know, it's. But no, I'm afraid of like the way that they're covering her. They're covering her like a quirky, the quirky Asian. It's just hard enough to even get good, good coverage of Asian athletes in general because there's obviously like cultural aspects you have to mm-hmm. be wary of too that are just getting kind of thrown under the rug or just people are making assumptions. When it comes down to it, it's just a lack of representation in the media. Honestly, you're still doing a poor job. Yeah, at- they're not looking at the angles they should have because you have the same type of people commentating over and doing research over and all that. You got to have different people and different aspects and different ways of looking at, at certain things. You know, it's fun to look at how quirky she is. Let's also like acknowledge how good of an athlete, how great of an athlete she actually is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So sports is stupid. I don't like sports. Sports are dumb. I'm happy that we're covering these things though. I guess media Someone has to comment it. Somebody has to be the watchdog of the media. Ah, stop it. (laughs) No, but see, like, (laughs) how many other people have been saying this, though? You know? And, Mm. yeah, maybe we see the the people talking about this and voicing their opinions, but there just isn't enough people calling out NBC for their bullshit, so. 
to be honest. Okay, yeah. they have too much money for it. They're just going to keep on us. getting the broadcast rights. And see, I have a problem with that because they also don't make it easy to enjoy. Dude, the viewership it's is super complicated. Is, is crap now. It's super convoluted. It's, it's 2018. How are you not embracing like better streaming practices? Oh, their streaming sucks too? It's just more like you got to have cable to get NBC. Yeah. It's not that crazy of an idea, but just set up like an Olympic pass so I can buy viewership during the Olympics. That's the they only thing I They have an Olympic channel. It's just not the same, though. It is. Very glad NBC's doing a poor job. I think they're going to lose broadcast rights or they're going to just think it's not a good investment so they won't renew the contract. I'm very happy about that. Moving along, we want to chug along here. We have to talk about one thing specifically or two things specifically. What are you talking about? NBA stuff, which is one thing specifically, but two things specifically. Then the one thing specifically. We're talking more about LeBron and how much I love LeBron now. I'm a huge LeBron stand now. You're a Bron sexual? Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a LeBroni. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like, have you heard of bronies? They're like the people that love like the My Little Ponies. Yeah. I'm a LeBroni. Oh, yeah, Unicorns. LeBron's a unicorn. Anyways, enough wordplay. Um, let's talk about what happened with LeBron. So, Laura Ingram. Ingraham. Ingraham? Ingrahamon. White lady. Mm. She looks Fox like a News. Pizza no, yeah, let me set the scene. Let me set the scene. The TV turns on. Bottom left corner. You see Fox News. Oh, that's already, already. I'm already upset. Yeah, I'm already upset. Turn the TV off. Turn you, it off. You don't turn it off. It's because just you're like you're sitting here, you're thinking. Incorrect. Did I lose the remote? No, yeah, you lost. You lost. <laughs> lost the remote. It's Wait, under the couch. I feel like I'm having sleep paralysis. Hey, hey, keep going. All right, look, stop. <laughs> okay, look. So you're looking for the control. It's under the couch. You can't find it. You look up, middle of the TV. What do you see? Sparkling, white, woman. <gasps> Blue eyes. <gasps> Blonde hair. <gasps> the model, American. And then she starts. She starts blabbing. She says, "Oh." These uh, sports boys, they shouldn't they shouldn't be able to talk about politics because. What was that in a reaction to though? Huh? Uh, because in um, what was it? Undisputed. Undisputed oh yeah, yeah. Had a, okay, had yeah. A video talk about that. Of LeBron and KD in a car, uh, in an Uber, with uh, I forgot who the interviewer Curry was. Champion. Oh, okay, there you go. And uh, they start talking about Donald Trump and you know the issues with Donald Trump's presidency and the, and the issues of being a black man in America today. And, you know, they, they get really in-depth. And then they have a good conversation, a good, smart, intellectual conversation between, between them. And uh, Laura Ingrahamon decides that she wants to not let people have a voice. She wants, she wants to diss them, telling them to just keep on dribbling. Shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. That's so dumb. Even after the fact, when people were like, this is obviously a racial issue. Like, you obviously did it because you're racist. She's like, I didn't do it because I'm racist. I say shut up and do something all the time. Is that, is that your defense? Oh, my God. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the thing for me more so is Fox News. Laura Ingraham is sort of riding on this idea that athletes are unable to think about politics, yeah. that they're unable to process what's going on in political nature. Which I think is stupid because for some reason we can't care about what athletes think about, but we got to care about what someone Lord in middle Ingram. america she's limiting who can participate in yeah. the political process she's saying athletes shouldn't participate in politics politics is not that deep like yeah i understand that right but it's not just that because there were whether she thinks so or not there were like racial undertones to what she was saying oh she's got to yeah. know that there was that's racial why because like she, she knows pointed she's out, a racist she pointed out so many things that just weren't necessary 
LeBron James, just, you know, you're getting 150 million a year, but you didn't graduate high school. Like, why are we listening to someone? Like, shut up. Like, he's made his career. He's a very, very, very good businessman. You know, he knows what he's doing out there. This guy could have a voice, and he actually has a very influential voice, especially in, in the communities that respect him does, and look up to him. So. He does a lot for the community. I like how he doubled down when he went on the All-Star Week. He had to sat down with the panel from the TNT. They just asked him about it, and he said, no, all the people before me that have not shut up and dribbled, like Kareem, Bill Russell, athletes of that caliber, he said it would be disrespectful to them. Not to say he's just doing it out of loyalty to them, but he knows it's a, he has a very important voice, mm -hmm. and he knows he should keep talking when he, like he feels like he should talk. And it's very refreshing. You don't see that many athletes that are at the pinnacle of their sport and are really well-respected put themselves on the line like that. They don't want to have their have legacy tarnished, but he's completely cool with being himself. And it's really cool. I mean, I got a shout out like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, I think he's one of the more underrated civil rights figures that a lot of people don't read about. But he was one of the first people to make the name change when he became Muslim. And he was openly protesting with Muhammad Ali and supporting him along with Jim Brown and other black athletes at the time. So I think LeBron is very much in that same vein, and he seems to be very knowledgeable of it, especially from a kid who grew up in poverty and having to like move around house to house, no father. If anything, he has a more direct experience with a lot of the things that hurt his communities that a lot of people are still telling him to stop talking about. Even though he was born into that, he grew up into that. I just watched oh, more, than a game. more Than a Game, and I was like, That's dang, I, I've been messing with LeBron lately. I've been... Yeah. As much as I didn't respect him before just because he was good at what he did and he kept on switching teams and he seemed unloyal, if anything, he has more loyalty than anybody else. He has loyalty to himself and his family and people he cares about, which is really important. LeBron's cool. I do love him. I think another thing is like type of people Fox News gets to commentate on stuff sometimes. They get They've had some baseball players. Yeah, on. they have real outlandish dudes sometimes or like actors. Hey, and like, yeah, what? Ted Whatever. Nugent, uh, Scott Bayo, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Um, what's his name? Kurt, Kurt Schillen. Yikes. Oh. Yeah, they yeah got, like, like those really good analysts, you know? They are uh, grounded. They know what they're talking about. That's yeah, so whack. Fox News is whack. Whatever. Fox News is whack. You heard it here first, folks. Breaking news. Fox News is whack. But yeah. Moving on, another controversy in the, the association. This one's actually pretty big, but there isn't really that much to say other than <laughs> L. L for the Mavs. The Mavs. In case you're not up on the latest going around in the association, the Dallas Mavericks are embroiled in the middle of an investigation right now given sexual misconduct that has come to light recently. A couple people have been fired. Yeah. yeah. Earl K. Sneed. <laughs> They were, let me clarify, were they in the front office? Or were they, not even front no, office, just some were employees. Just some employees. were employees. One uh -huh. was a, Earl K. Sneed was a Mavs.com beat writer. <laughs> Actually, he signed up for one of those mass deleting websites. Mm -hmm. And so when you sign up for that, it sends out a tweet to your Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so everybody saw it. And apparently you could just see his tweets being deleted if you kept refreshing on his Twitter page. So he's clearing up his tracks. Whack. And they had maybe a day's notice that the story was going to break, the the Mavs. Mm -hmm. But even before then, they they knew that stuff was happening behind closed doors. So the one side I think is the Mavs are trash for letting this go on this long. Cuban knew about it. There was 
apparently people knew that these employees were this bad. Whatever is coming to them, whatever comes out of the investigation, they probably have it coming to them. Didn't they already have to pay like 600K? Uh, Cuban got fined 600K that for an better unrelated... better not just be it. No, that was for an unrelated thing. Oh, and really? basically that was because he openly said that the team was tanking. Oh, okay. Which is kind of dumb because that's just the reality of things. Sometimes you just got to yeah. tank so you can get better talent. True. You said you, you've been reading into it more. I just kind of got a general idea, but go ahead and lighten us more. I think I wanted to offer just this one little nugget as far as what how she would really perceive the situation. I Immediately when you hear of Mavs, you're going to think of the players. A lot of people are going to immediately think of the players. As much as a lot of the players do dumb stuff, we can't associate it with directly the players. Just wanted to clarify that. Even though they oh, yeah, ha- yeah, they, yeah. they definitely should be held accountable, they should they would be knowing that stuff is happening around. Mark Cuban, you cannot own an organization and not know this is happening. I was listening to FS1 yesterday. Sorry, I know it's Fox, but I work at Fox. Uh, Christine Leahy, she works with Colin Cowherd and Jason. Who is it? Jason Whitlock. So Jason Whitlock, Chris Boussard, and Colin Cowherd are all talking about it. They all seem vehemently like against whatever happened. Christine Leahy said that a lot of the women that were mistreated, mm-hmm. they rather be around the players than the people in the front office, and that should have been like a red flag enough. So looking into that. If you don't say anything, you're actually part of the problem. So you're actually complicit in these things happening. So I think that's one thing that sports culture still has a long ways to go, whether it be owners or GMs signing players with a bad history of um, they have a history of abusing people and like being okay with signing them, or whether it be people in the front office or people that are employees and players are hearing about it and not doing anything. There needs to be a lot more accountability than what's happening. And then a lot of people are just going to say, it's all about the punishment. I mean, the punishment is never going to be able to be enough. There needs to be more than just, here's a fine. We're taking away blah, blah, forever this long. Because then people are just like, oh, so it's, I can pay the fine or I can actually do the fine and then it'll be over, right? It's good. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just going to do the same thing. It's just a system. And it's just one of the main reasons sports still has these issues. Yeah, what do you think we can do I get where you're going with, like, the players got to do something, but then I also don't know how much the players actually know. This probably happens behind closed doors Mm. where the players aren't there. It's happening in the offices. It's happening in these areas where nobody's around. And one of the main problems that you hear a lot about harassment is they won't talk about it because they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel anybody's going to believe them. This goes both ways, whether it's a woman or a man being harassed. In sports, unfortunately, a lot of times it's women being harassed because it's such a bro culture, even off off the court. I think it's almost more of a bro culture because you have, you know, these executives with money and power that exercise it. And so they exercise it in the wrong way, harassing these women, making life difficult for them when they're just trying to, like, do their job. I saw Rachel Nichols retweeted, actually quote tweeted, that the league is going to launch a confidential hotline uh, to report workplace issues. This is coming from a uh, Woj. Do you guys know how to say Wojnowski? There you go. People will be able to report any workplace issues, uh, including sexual harassment, according to a memo that Adam Silver sent. Uh, looks like just about an hour and a half ago. So, the league is doing something at least. 
this is going to get uglier before it gets better. Yeah, honestly. Because, I mean, there's no, like, simple solution to it just because it's such an issue that's been around for so long. I think it needs to be prioritized. It it does need to be prioritized. It's at the forefront now. And now it's in a place where I think for a while we were thinking that sports had a problem because of who's on the field Mm -hmm. and because we don't let women play. And sports has a problem beyond that because the NBA, the NFL, the MLB are businesses. And the business world is not kind to women. And sports is no exception to that. So we're probably going to hear a lot more stories about other teams that go through the same thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing people like Clearhouse, mm-hmm. people getting let go just preemptively. Mm. But I agree with Matt. If you do know something, if you do catch wind of anything, say something. Be active. Um, don't let it slide. Well, I just wanted to make sure everyone got what they wanted to say out. <laughs> Man, you know what? <laughs> we had a good time today. It was had, good. It was a good episode. It was a good episode for sure. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back here with you guys. We're a little rusty. I'll admit. <laughs> Are we always rusty? Or? Hell, we'll just change our name to the Rusty Boys. Oh, <laughs> that has like a connotation to it. Rusty. But, um, no, it feels good to be back. feels good to be here breaking down some of the topical issues of the day. Of the week of the month, a good really. Time too, really. <laughs> just talking, hanging out. What's better than this? Just guys being dudes. Just guys be, I oh forgot it for a second. Dudes just being guys. Be, just guys being dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back in two weeks. Yes. Yeah, we're going. We're going bi-weekly for now, just because of the whole work stuff that Matt elaborated to earlier. Um, it just works out easier for us to come together every other week, but. Who knows? Maybe we'll start uh, doing shorter podcasts every now and then just to keep you guys entertained, just to keep you guys in the loop. But for as it stands right now, Sons of the Beach, the full experience is going to come out every two weeks. We're going to actually have more interviews. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. Uh, special thanks to everyone in the room, of course. Special thanks to Jess. Special thanks to people. Oh, that was my tummy. <laughs> I was like, was that me? <laughs> There's a gremlin in the room. Tommy. Oh, man. Special thanks to everyone still listening. Special thanks to our loved ones. Special thanks to Ryan Coogler. Special thanks to Michael B. Jordan. Special thanks to Chadwick Boseman. Special thanks to Lupina Nyong'o. Special thanks to Angela Bassett. Special thanks to... Um, the hammer. Denai Guria. Guria. Special thanks to. Who else we special thanks to? What's Sherry's actress's name? Sherry's uh, Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. Special thanks to Letitia Wright. Special thanks to. Winston Duke. Winston, <laughs> Winston Duke. The Duke. Special thanks to Martin Freeman. Yeah, he was good. Special thanks to Andy Circus. Andy Circus was good too. Ryan Coogler. Yes. Did we say that? Special yeah. thanks to. Oh, special thanks to Ryan Coogler. All the yeah. minor characters. Special thanks to. Chloe Kim, Nathan Chen. Like there's a ton. There's like 12, eight, 12 I eight can't name them off the top there's of my so head. There's so many. That's you. Shibs, all, all respect to the Shibs, Shibs, Shibitani, Shibitani family. Great, great stuff. Uh, Haley Langlin, J.R. Selsky, Chris Kinney. Special thanks to Chris Wu for representing in Chris the All-Star Wu, game. He did awful. Well, he represented. He represented all the best Asian, the principles of Asian basketball. 
<laughs> like we look really, really good on the court and like maybe make a couple layups. <laughs> Why do you think we have all Asian at basketball leagues? Because they're not good. It's just all layups. <laughs> no, it's just kind of like a lot of spacing, a little too much spacing. <laughs> ah, it's just everyone shoots. So yeah, thanks. That's all the time we have, folks. Um, Alex is already watching a video of a dog licking a glass. I don't understand what's going I've on. I've already, here. I've already checked my Instagram a couple of times during our break. <laughs> Fran's yawning. <laughs> Yo, we all have like, to I'm go. Tired, we man. have to go home at 7 p.m. to actually get stuff done too. But it's uh, been a great time. So. Uh, Stick around. See you in a little bit. Hopefully not too late, not too far from now. Can't wait to be back. So, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. I love you guys. I love you too. I'm an obsessed. Tokyo, Japan. Nice. Anime is the best in the